the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my manners. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm Brandon. I'm Ed. <laughs> Do you suffer from Ed? I would hope not. Actually, there's another podcast that they talk. Well, they're, they're a lot bigger. And I'm not going to promote them because they're bigger than us. But it's a famous singer. Metal singer. And they promote like penis pills all the time. <laughs> it's like, you motherfuckers. We have the perfect and, setup. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the difference. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> We actually suffer from it. Yes, right. <laughs> I could be an ass and say that all of our listeners suffer from it because they have to suffer to listen to you talk. <laughs> yeah. That's sorry. Right. I'm sorry I'm there. I, uh, I'm feeling good today. I actually got, like, acupuncture treatment. I do it every so often, and... A lot of people don't really believe in that shit, I guess, but I think it's better than being on like pills or any kind of medication when you're feeling down and really overwhelmed. Like I'm not like manic depressive or anything, but I guess the best way to describe it, let's say if you got like a couple errands, like you're going to the stores, a couple stores, it's almost crippling to me. Like, uh, it feels like a lot, even though the trip isn't so bad. It's like, that's the best way to describe how I feel sometimes when I'm like overwhelmed and stressed and I don't know why I'm sharing that, but I figured it's nice to, because we talked to a lot of people that suffer from like a lot of things. Mm-hmm. That's just a good, to me, a good alternative. And some people think, ah, it's just all woo woo shit. I'm like, is it really though? I mean, it costs more for a session than it is to get like drug pills. Right. Why mm-hmm. is that? Why is that? Because they want you to be hooked on shit. And they'll just like alternative medicine just costs more because it probably works way better. And that's the old uh, pharmaceutical company wanting you to be a slave to the pills, you know, big pharma. I mean, that's that's a whole nother topic in itself. But I always thought like if you don't want to be on anything, that's a good alternative to try. So anybody out there who's like, battling a lot of mental things give the needles a shot i mean if you're scared of needles sorry you don't have to look at them but i don't know i guess it varies for everyone else i just wanted to share that i feel good let's just (laughs) to clarify the acupuncture needles not the heroin needles right 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 not smack 
Smack's yeah. bad. We don't want people on Smack and losing all they have, <laughs> their livelihoods. I've been very down in the dumps lately, mainly just because working these random overnight stuff and then trying to deal with stuff during the day and not really sleeping, but financially it's like work all these hours and then pay all these bills. And then you're like, you see what you have left and then you're like, Oh, okay. And then something that comes up and you're like, fuck. And then it's always something. Yeah. It, it literally is always something. It's like anytime I try and get, think I'm going to, be doing okay, start saving some money back. Oh, something fucks up, something happens, more money out of the pocket. Right. And you got a family too. So it's like if one of them gets injured or gets sick, then it's like, well, gotta take them to the doctor or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, that's the bullshit that I'm dealing with medical stuff. And then I keep getting these random ass medical bills. I should have already hit my deductible, but for some reason I keep getting medical bills that just seem to keep piling up. Yeah. It never fucking ends. But I feel like bitching today. Well, it's your turn. It's your turn, huh? I don't typically have rants, but I'll just throw this word out there because it's the thing that everyone does apparently these days is you get triggered. Right. Um, no, I... Some douchebag. <laughs> we will just leave unnamed. Fucking... And it's not even just him. It's other ones, but it's what he represents is what pisses me off. Sure. And it's the old mindset of the goddamn 80s. Mm -hmm. That was fucking 40 years ago. Right. It's not going to be the same. Nobody's fucking Metallica. Like, yes, metal bands, specifically local metal bands, don't draw huge crowds. Right. But to shit on every single show and every band because they can't draw 200 plus people just shows you're a fucking retard. <laughs> right. And sorry for anyone that gets offended by that word, but it's the truth because how can you sit there and say, well, if you book a metal show, they're just going to go out to business. They can't feed their families. This is what they do. What? <laughs> if a fucking venue or a bar books a metal band on one show, and they go out of business after that because they didn't draw over 200 people for one show. Right. You're not a very successful business in the first place. Right. If one metal show puts you out of business, your game plan for actual business management sucks. And anyone that thinks that is a fucking big old red flag that metal bands don't draw. Back, <laughs> in, back in my day when we were out there drinking beers and playing some fucking Metallica and we drew like all sorts of people. Well, you know what? The glory days are dead. It's not how shit works today. Hmm. But shitting on bands and shitting on anyone wanting to do something is... It gets me fucking flustered. It's just right. one of those things that's like you have no idea what you're talking about anymore. You're fucking not even in like with modern times and it sucks <laughs> because some of these people are involved with music. Like they either run venues or the promoter, or they're the fucking sound guy and 90% of them suck. 
because they're set in their old ways. So the bitch about today is the people stuck in the old ways. It's time to grow up. It's time to change, adapt, stop being stuck back in 19 fucking 85 because <laughs> that's not how it is. Right. Cut off the mullet. Stop driving the Trans Am with your fucking T-tops. <laughs> I don't know why I just keep picturing Joe Dirt. Learn how to learn that a laptop is can also be used and have the connections for it. Because I know there's a lot of sound guys that are like, I can't do that. I'm like, what did you stop learning like sound education at one point in life? Well, shit evolved. I'm wondering about that too. Why like sound guys don't evolve with the times with the gear. Some do, some are good and some are just straight up. This is how it's supposed to sound. No, (laughs) things have sounded better. Like, I don't know why. I, I guess that's my stereotype for sound guys that are douchebags. They all have that fucking southern twang to their voice. <laughs> so, I haven't met too many of those, but that's funny. <laughs> I don't know why. I just that's the first thing that pops in my head is they all talk loudly. It's like they're from Texas. <laughs> I don't know why. So they have how, like, oh, they, yeah, they look like Joe Dirt, basically same haircut, yeah. mustache. That's yeah. funny. I haven't met too many like that, but that's funny. I don't know why that's just a stereotype that I have in my head for douchebag sound guys. Mm. Yeah, but, but playing yeah, some menta- scanner. Yeah, the mentality of being like back then when the, they had sweaty ass like you know what back in the day people didn't have like cell phones and computers they actually went out to shows so it's like preserve the dying art and understand why live music isn't what exactly what it is. I mean, yeah, cover bands do well, but that's because that's just how it is. But yeah. they don't always do well. But I'm sure they do well enough that they get paid regardless of the turnout. So because they have a guarantee. But I have a love hate relationship with cover bands. I don't. I don't know. Right. But... Know. We've we've interviewed them and everything else, and it's like, man, real bands that are out there trying to write music and go out there and get on shows struggle. And then cover bands get like $2,000 to go out there and play someone else's music. So it just chaps my ass the wrong way, I guess. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of them either. It is what it is, but you know, it's like, again, you said it's not like one metal show is going to ruin a place. Like there was this place that we had downtown Elkhart. He had great food. He had different kinds of music and he had metal shows and he actually played pretty decent. And Brandon, you're out there. Thank you for that place. You're right. welcome. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, another Brandon. <laughs> but that place was fun. He was cool, and he actually paid the bands. And like, I, I think he wanted to get out of it. The whole biz- business of that. But like, that was a good example. Like, those shows didn't ruin him. He, yeah, and it's like he took a gamble, like everyone else, and it worked out real well. And so, like again, when I had a rant on Facebook about why all these breweries around here don't want to have metal shows or at least one and then we got somebody else saying oh it's gonna ruin the business i'm like is it really i mean if, if it doesn't do well i don't think they're gonna be like we didn't sell anything no i mean no still have business it's the same mentality of this podcast that people were saying we're gonna ruin the scene and we're gonna destroy everything like it's mm-hmm. those stupid fucks that don't have a clue about what they're talking about like sure that's those type of people are the ones that don't want to take the option or take the quote unquote risk of booking a show because you can't draw. Yeah. And, and like, but we're the negative outsource apparently. 
and like let's see like the the when we met you're the venue where you live like that guy does it it's not ruining his place now is it no <laughs> there's another place here in town that doesn't even do band stuff but they asked us to play a show and i've done two there so far and they've always been huge and they paid us and i need to go I down split, there clown I, split the, shit. I split the money with the bands it's like you book three bands get the, they charge no cover we did at this one there was no cover to get in and they literally just paid every they paid me up front and then i gave the split up the it was three hundred dollars I gave each band a hundred bucks yeah. and three bands played a lot of different people came in that night that aren't usually the normal type of crowd, but it's free. So if the normal ones don't like it, they can go somewhere else and they'll be back the next night. Right. It's not going to hurt anything, but you're bringing in new people that can also become regulars as well. Right. So, so I don't understand why you're trying to say you can't do something like this because take the risk. It's not going to hurt. Nope. And nobody wants to for some odd reason. It's just like again, I, I was ripping on my area for all the breweries around here for that sole purpose. I mean, after talking to Dustin, it's like that his owner, the owner of that place, he risked he risked to try something new and it's very successful. Yeah. You know? So it's like it could work. I don't know. I mean, I'm not it's not a guarantee, but it's at least oh. worth taking the chance on. Trust me, if you're gonna make, you're gonna charge a lot for your fucking beer, <laughs> you'll make your money back. <laughs> to be a hundred percent honest, I've never been to a brewery where I've liked their home brewed beer really. <laughs> well, but that's not the point. It's just like I, I know, like right. But it's it's hard. It's hard because they have a whole list, and it's like, well, I don't want to try every single one of them. I'll be drunk, and then I'll will not like any of them i don't know a lot of them or maybe it's too much hops or i'm not a beer snob or whatever so uh, i'll drink my budweiser or my bud lights because that's i must be like gay i don't know because apparently in today's society if you drink bud light you're gay according to the right wings i always thought the regular budweiser was wife beater beer but what do i know yeah i mean i i like my diesel <laughs> i prefer dos Equis. I'm the most interesting man. Yeah. No, I do like Dos Equis with a lime. That shit's my fucking go-to. I haven't had one, so I'll have to try one now. How the hell have you never had one? Because usually I get a Corona. <laughs> okay. okay, well, you're at least keeping us still with your nationality. Yeah, yeah, keep them close. <laughs> There's some no. other one that I drink, too, sometimes. It's like a... Tecati? Maybe. It's in a dark glass. It's in a dark Mo glass. I don't know. Wait, Mo 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 you got your clothes. Modelo, yeah, yeah. I didn't like Modelo. I can't remember if I did either, but I tried it. I try anything once, you know, what's the worst that happened? I do like the green bottle Dos Equis. They have a dark one. It's not very, not good in my opinion. But what do I know? Again, I'm just a guy that drinks occasionally. Right. Me too. Well, I'm I'm done bitching for the time, so we have a guest. Good bitch. Good bitch. We have a guest that's waiting, so uh, we'll bring him on in. So you hang on to your butts, and we'll be back in a second. I'd like to take this time to welcome our guest, Alfonso. Thanks for and coming out talking with us. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Alfonso. Normally, I try to guess what the guest looks like based on their voice, but I already know what you look like anyway, so that wasn't <laughs> going to be fun at all. So, Just for everyone out there still <laughs> counting, 
Ed is like over fifteen now. Yeah, that's funny. I suck. Well, I mean, it's thing. it's all good, man. I mean, I'm you know like I'm I'm the typical white blonde blue eyed dude, so it's all good. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been playing, Alfonso? Oof. So, been playing music in general. I've been I've been in music. Honestly, since I was like six or seven, um, because I pretty much most of my life, uh, through like grade school, middle school, high school, I was always either in chorus or some form of like theater. Um, when I was a kid, and then I had like music class and stuff, so I was always in some sort of band esque thing or music thing, and then I really got into being in like an actual like band band outside of like the school curriculum in my freshman year in high school uh, back home I, I grew up in miami florida and one of my best friends started playing guitar so of course i had to start playing guitar mm. and started in bands in ninth grade and just never stopped just fell in love with it and, and it was just fun mm. so I, I usually i think like most of the singers that can play guitar makes them a better singer. That's just my opinion. Like, makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. They know pitch. So, and you're based in Lansing now, correct? I am. Yes, you the are. band okay. is based in Lansing, and I myself am based in Lansing. Okay. So, how's the scene there? I hear different things, but I'm not really sure. So, what's the scene like in Lansing? uh scene in lansing is actually pretty awesome it's uh it's really really diverse um there's a lot of a lot of different types of bands there is a really budding scene as well um so we've got you know we've got like all sorts of bands like deathcore metalcore uh jazz bands actually some like jazz quartets that play here a lot it's a really artsy town and it's really diverse but as far as like the metal scene here it's actually pretty good we've managed to continue to sort of keep the metal scene alive in lansing ourselves and a few other locals that have been around for a while and have like grown as far as as a band and like as a scene so we've been pretty pretty fortunate and lucky to have still have a cultivated scene I mean, most other places in michigan kind of like fell off and came back on and then they fell off again but the scene here is pretty vibrant man i mean we just have a show here in lansing uh our show just with some locals from the area as well we did about 450 people so no complaints mm, that's good so Basically, the 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 uh, topic of this podcast obviously is called Dark Side. So, like, I guess we're gonna probably talk about like things that you've encountered in your band with your band, or you know, dumb shit that like sometimes people should be educated about. You know, like I don't know, for example, like any of like crappy band members you've ever had, or in other <laughs> bands. You know what I mean, like yeah 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 experiences sure. yeah for sure you know yeah i mean in in our do you guys still hear me Am I yes. still there? yes okay cool and in our scene 
I, I think the crappiest thing we've dealt with, like as far as a scene goes and, and the band scene goes, not particularly like internally with the band, mm. um, was when we first started. We the, okay, so like, I guess I should kind of start like mostly more from the beginning than anything. But the band started under a different name. Myself, our bass player and our guitar player have been in this band uh, together under a different name since the year 2000. We started in college. Um, mm. The band back then was called uh, No Life, K-N-O-W-L-Y-F-E. Um, from there, we ended up changing the band name uh, in 2014 is when we changed the band name. Now, when we started, the new metal scene and stuff was really what was going on. New metal was really at its height. You know, you had you know bands like Corn Stains, Just Down and Biscuit, Third Strike, you know, Three Doors Down, Disturbed, whatever. Name one of those bands, and they were there. And we were sort of within those ranks, but also we're listening to bands like Poison the Well and as i lay dying and martyr ad and you know all those bands that were like kind of on the come up 18 visions um stretch armstrong uh you know dark water you know dead water drowning like there was a lot of mixture within us as a band we, we really we had a turntable list we had two guitar players so we were kind of doing the whole limp biscuit deftones thing but also we're really doing the breakdown stuff like Kill Switch and Azalea Dying and 18 Visions and stuff. And as that became more popular and new metal sort of became, you know, quote unquote, not cool or whatever, mm. we kind of stuck to our guns in keeping our sound the way that we wanted it to be, which was a mixture of both. Um, I don't think we ever sort of tinged on that like metalcore thing for us we really try to to have both together and keep both within the same sound but not have that sort of what would eventually become metalcore as we know it like asking alexandria and stuff like that we, we never really wanted to do that um so as that changed and the scene changed we stuck to our guns and you know we didn't really start following the trends and the fads of like you know putting on the really tight skinny jeans or like putting on like the makeup you know like with like the eyeliner and we, we didn't really do all those things and we were starting to stick out like a sore thumb and a lot of our songs very much had a very new metal feel mm. um, and that's kind of where it started to get shitty for us because bands were essentially now it was cool to be a hardcore metalcore band and not cool to be a new metal band. So bands just straight up didn't want to play with us. They were just like, you guys are lame. Like you're just a stupid new metal band. And we were having a really hard time finding shows. And we had a lot of pushback in that too. A lot of bands were genuinely like in the local scene, just jerks to us. They would just like, like stick a slash on the bill just to be jerks because they didn't like the fact that we were like, more new metal than anything and, and bands would like just not watch our sets like cross their arms and like turn around just dumb stuff and that was i think 
for me, I, I can't speak to my whole band members in, in general, but for me personally, it definitely really hurt, you know, me as a person and as a musician, because I grew up in a place like I, I grew up in Miami and it was a place that it's so eclectic. It's so, it's such a melting pot of all different types of Hispanic cultures and American, uh, you know, white and black and, and everything. So I always grew up listening to hardcore bands like Sigurd Vall and H2O and Madball, but also grew up listening to like Tupac, Biggie, Nas, you know, Tribe Called Quest, but also grew up listening to like Green Day, No Effects, like all those types of bands and it was it you know it, it never occurred to me that there was sort of this thing that we call like genres that like people stuck to and they were like elitist about i just never really clicked with me so that to me really affected me the most it affected the band i think you know from what the guys have told me and that was probably like the crappiest thing as far as this goes, and being also, um, we came from a time where the internet was sort of just getting started. Like, I remember MySpace very <laughs> mm. kind of, you know, and um, it, it, the tough part was getting shows and trying to do tours and trying to do all this stuff. Like, there was no Facebook, there was no, you know, like, websites that you can go find venues or whatever it was all like still like hand to foot you know leaflets handing out to people going to your shows and and calling some random venue that you found you know on MapQuest or something and like trying to get shows it's just impossible during that time Michigan uh started sort of transitioning into the whole like your band needed to sell tickets but we were like a brand new band and we didn't really have like a name for ourselves so it was just a complete like shit show in that aspect mm. just trying to make a name for yourself when literally no one wanted to help you um and then as the band grew and as we sort of like traveled technology and traversed how things started to be, you know, my, MySpace starts getting bands to be bigger and then you have Facebook and then you have, you know, Bandcamp and all these other things start to pop up. We started sort of realizing how to use those those tools and the band started getting bigger and, and it was getting more momentum and we were getting better shows and we didn't have to beg anybody anymore to get a show. We weren't getting paid by any means, but venues in town and a few hours away we're like yeah sure you can come play the show we'll give you 50 bucks and it's like okay cool mm. you know they traverse that whole thing um and then as the band as no life came you know again spelled k-n-o-w-l-y-f-e started to really grow and we were selling out shows in our hometown and people started to know our name in michigan and and everything was going really well. And then our, our drummer passes away. Our drummer, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, he uh, he had a problem. And that problem became a big burden. Mm. And that unfortunately took him from us. And that was probably the second, like, 
shittiest thing to ever happen as far as like being a band. Um, yeah. You know, I had experienced death in my life. We all had, you know, parents and, and maybe some friends here and there that, you know, had passed away, but weren't immediate, close, you know, kind of almost family. Um, but this was the first death that we experienced, you know, relatively young still that affected us directly. It, it hit us right in our in our band and that was really hard to to sort of process and and come to terms with and i you know i don't think i don't think we've all come to terms with it very well still i think it at times still feels a little foreign you know and there, i find myself sometimes picking up the phone and being like oh dude like this new song let me call matt you know and it's like guys you know that the guy is not here with us anymore so it you know, it, it, uh, those were definitely pretty, pretty tough times that we had within those. And I think those to me stand out the most realistically when mm. it comes to like shitty times in the band. You know, I mean, there's, there's so many aspects of this, you know, thing called rock and roll and, and thing called, you know, the underground heavy metal scene that it's just, you know, you ask me questions and I can definitely just spot off, you know, but those are the two really big things that I can really, that stick out to me. Yeah. So, but you did, you did say you've been together since 2000, right? Yeah. Yeah. So myself a long fucking time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Myself our bass player and the guitar player. Uh, Waylon's our bass player. Jared's our guitar player. Yeah. Um, we have been in the same, like playing in this band uh, under two different names since the year 2000 we met in college uh we, we met literally uh at michigan state university myself and our guitar player and then from there we went to like a music store and ended up getting like this like that again dating myself here but we used to go to the music store and they would like have like you know, like in search of or whatever, you pull the little tab and then you'd like call this stranger that you don't know. Like, hey man, uh, you looking for like a guitar player, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's what we did. Our guitar player, uh, myself and our guitar player, Jared, uh, we were at the local music store here and we found somebody that had put up this, you know, wanted ad and we called them and it ended up being this drummer and this guitar player and this uh, DJ, and that's how we got together, and we went and, and hung out with them. And our first song we ever played was a cover of "My Own Summer" by Deftones, and it was really fun. And we felt like we all clicked, and then we kind of just went from there. And our bass player, you know, we didn't we didn't have a bass player at the time. Uh, I was actually the bass player of the band. Um, we were looking for a singer, and we really couldn't find one. And then we ended up running into who would become our bass player, Waylon outside of a Best Buy and we just showed up the next day and we just jammed and that was it. And it was like the band. <laughs> that's pretty important that you guys have gotten along this for this long. Cause that's probably the, the key right there. You know? Yeah, man. I, I mean, we're, we're very fortunate. I think I'm, I, it's not lost to me. It's not lost on us that, you know, bands, especially where we're at, like we've never made it, you know, thus far to like being a Lamb of God fame or, 
right. you know, 18 visions or whatever kind of we've we haven't hit that peak yet, but we've kept growing and growing and we know it's not lost in us that it's very rare for a band like us to survive this long. You know, just us three together, you know, we've gone through drumming, but yeah, it's it's right. I'm proud of that for sure. I'm actually shocked. Like, well, maybe it was more competitive back in the day, but I don't know. Like, I feel like, why would anybody want to be mean to a band just because they're playing, you know, like new metal or whatever? It's like I didn't never understand the mentality of like trashing somebody else's. You know, music. I you know, like, I don't know. I agree. I I never really understood it either. Like, it, it never really made sense to me because it was kind of like I always looked at that situation and thought to myself you guys do realize that the bands that you like that are now popular and are cool and trendy were influenced by the bands that we like and it be, and they melted all this together. And the most ironic part about it is that now it's cool to be new metal again, but it's got this twist and now we finally fit in. And it's, it's just so weird to me. It's yeah, so that, like... Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's so just almost it feels like an out of body experience because we've we've been around long enough to see like how the scene has changed you know i mean and not only in like how the music has changed in heavy metal and rock with that aspect of like seeing like new metal die and then like metalcore comes up and you've got like lamb of god and azale dying all those really big bands kill switch engage like all really blowing up betray you and now like those guys are kind of going back into like where like the new metal bands that fell off or started becoming not as popular went and now like all those bands are coming back. So it's really funny to me. It's it's a weird thing to see. It's the it's the gent movement that kind of brought it back, I'm pretty sure. Like the <laughs> Probably. Stop start yeah. Probably. Opinion, I don't know. The, the the craziest thing about the whole gent thing for me, the reason why I always laugh about when people talk about gent is like I'm I'm gonna be forty one. So I I've I've been around for a while and yeah. in high school, my buddy who was like a big obituary Metallica Megadeth fan came into class and he was in a band with us and he was like, Hey, you got to check this band out. And he had like their shirt and it said Miss Sugar and he gave me a CD to borrow mm -hmm. and it was Miss Sugar's Chaos Fear back in like 96 or some shit. Yeah. So when like people started like discovering Miss Sugar, I was like, dude, I've been listening to this band for like ages like how have people not discovered this yeah I, I remember buying it and i thought like the fucking i didn't understand it and i was like why is this guitar like broken it sounds like a broken record <laughs> i didn't understand it was an odd time signature with the normal drums and I'm like what the fuck it took me a while to get into them now i understand but at the time i'm like this guitar sounds weird yeah it's yeah it was not traditional so exactly yeah. yeah i think and i think that's the most impressive part about that band too because when you listen to the band, you hit the nail on the head. It's yeah. actually the drums are all four four. It's yeah. it's all four four, but they're just cutting up their shit right. out of all the guitar rhythms, you know. And if you don't understand that, it's like, what the fuck is going on? But yep, yeah, it, it, it's a total mind fuck. Otherwise, so you ended up changing your name. So like, how hard was the process to do that? Because I know a lot of bands do that, and then they got all this merch, and then they have to like change it all over and. Like I, for us, I, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, when I first saw you in Elkhart, you guys were no life because I remember mm -hmm. seeing the poster and I'm like, and these guys look like hard asses. And I ended up <laughs> going to the Elkhart show, and it reminded me of like 
I could see like the death tones thing and you guys kind of like an outfit with the like snapback hats kind of like mm-hmm. would like, you know, like suicidal tendencies kind of has the hats and I'm like, Oh, it's a, it's that's their look. And that's their sound. I get it. It's kind of like street hard. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, what yeah. I, that's what I thought when I saw you. And then I remember you guys played as no life and then you became heart sick. So at what point did you switch that over? Uh, so that came when Matt, our drummer, passed away. So mm. when Matt passed away, um, we ended up, we were kind of, it was it was a weird sort of time with the band in the sense of like, we had just finished writing this whole record with, with Matt almost and a few songs. And then we started experimenting more with seven string guitars. We've never... We were never a seven string band. We'd always use six strings on all our tunings and all of our songs. We were always like just drop E pretty much. And then I bought a couple of like seven string guitars and I started just experimenting with them. And we wrote this whole record and we were gonna put it out as new like for Matt died. And we had put out one song a few days before he had passed away. We had put out a song. And he was just getting out of rehab. So we had somebody else that had recorded some of the music on it. And we were like, hey, man, like, once you get better, you know, you can come back in the band. It's all good. Like, we're just waiting. You know, but we, we, we can't just slow down while we wait. We'll have somebody fill in or whatever. Mm. Anyway, uh, you know, Matt passes away. And in between that time, we had a couple of friends that had hit us up. A guy named Seth, who used to be the guitar player for a band called Straight Line Stitch. And a guy named Mark, who was the front of the house for uh, Miss Mayor. They were like friends and they had toured together. And they hit me up and they were like, hey man, we really like that song, Rose Cast the Diary. We think it's really dope. Uh, you know, we were, were interested in getting into managing. And we didn't, you know, we'd love to try and establish because forever alfonso so you know what do you think and i'll do after or whatever well matt passes away and then death and mark hit us up and they're like you know how do you what's going on and we're like oh you know we're we're, we're dealing you are cutting out (laughs) you're cutting out a little bit can you hear can you hear me now yeah i think so you were cutting out for are you able to hear me i can hear you hello he died. Are you still there? Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, we yes. can hear you. Okay, perfect. All right, perfect. Sorry about that. Anyway, <laughs> um, so what ends up happening, we get hit up by Seth and Mark, and they're like, you know, we've been doing a lot of research and seeing where we can get you guys, so on and so forth. And, you know, with Matt passing away, like... You know, we've talked to a few friends of ours in the industry and we're not really sure why the band hasn't hit with people, even though you guys have gotten all these great shows, you've done all this great stuff completely independently, but we're just at a loss as to why no one's really picked you up. And we're like, you don't know, that's, we're always, we're always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And they said, how would you guys feel about changing the band name? start there and we were like oh fuck i don't know like Mm. that that really was 
like a very big point of contention for us, for sure, especially our bass player, Waylon. Um, we had worked really hard on the band name and we had, like you said, like you saw us, like we've been building up that name for a really long time. We had a lot right. of merch that we had done. People started to recognize the name and the brand. And we kind of pushed back and we're like, man, we don't know because of this and this and this, like I just explained. And they essentially were like, listen, like, sure, people in Indiana and Michigan and maybe Illinois know who you guys are, but no one else out there knows who you guys are at all. Like, no one knows. So if you're going to change the name, you change it now and we'll see what happens. Worst case scenario is it just takes longer to get people to recognize the name, but you're like, realistically, you're not that far off anyway because nobody really knows the band anyway we were like oh that's a really good point yeah pepper's and, farm remembers though yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah exactly yeah we can get into all that too because it's ironic after we change yeah. the name how many people yeah. are all saying no life you know but right no so we kind of sat in it for a bit and then we thought about it and what really made us change the name at the end of the day was when matt passed away matt really hated the band name no he just absolutely hated it. And he ended up, uh, a few years before he had passed, he ended up becoming really good friends with uh, a guy named Eddie, who was the guitar player of Taking Back Sunday. And Eddie really liked the band. And Eddie tried to shop us to Rise Records. And Rise was like, yeah, the band's cool, but the name is stupid. We're not doing it. And we're like, wow. what the fuck? That yeah, really, It matters that, that much. It matters that much, apparently. Wow. And we were like, how is the name stupid? Like, we never understood because there were so many dumbass band names out there that were like, this can't be that dumb. But Matt just hated the band name. Just, he would always talk shit about the band. He would <laughs> always make these shitty jokes. So we were like, if we're going to do this, let's do it. And Matt would have wanted to do this. So let's let's do it for Matt. Screw it. And that's kind of what, like, made us decide okay we're gonna go ahead and change the band and that's and that's what we ended up doing mm. and, and you still play songs from the old category right same thing basically like, catalog. like sometimes we've really left the whole like no life thing behind we do once in a blue moon we haven't done it in a couple of years but sometimes we will do like a sort of like no life nostalgia sort of show and it does really well i like people it's it's the ironic i personally i get really annoyed by it because uh, for me it's it's a shitty like it's something shitty too like this is something that you know can tie into the theme of the podcast essentially is we worked really hard on that band name we really did and we went through a lot like you know we got into a car accident that, you know, a van accident that almost killed all of us. Like we, our drummer passed away. Like, you know, we got stranded. God knows how many places and God knows where all the time. And we're always broke and, you know, declared bankruptcy. Like all this shitty stuff happened and we pushed through as no life. And then we changed the name. And suddenly, after we changed the name, all these people now are like, oh, why did you play this No Life song? And so me, personally, I'm, I'm a very sensitive person. And I sometimes just get really annoyed and frustrated because in my mind, I'm like, where the fuck were you when we really needed to support this? 
you know, and, and right. let people know that it wasn't a stupid name and, you know, we weren't some shitty new metal band. So I get really, like, really torn with that whole thing. And be, because of all those sort of residual, like, unresolved feelings of, like, you know, like, I would say, like, resentment for certain things in that aspect. So, yeah, we sometimes do it, but not very much anymore. Mm. It's more so, like, a nostalgia thing. We did re-record a No Life song, like, our biggest song that people really liked, and that song was called And we re-recorded it, and it was cool, man. Like, it was fun, but we don't really play it anymore. Um, If people ask, and we have enough people, like, hey, please play the song, we'll do it. For the most part, yeah, it's pretty much dead. <laughs> there was, there was one song in particular. I only heard it one time when you played an L card at halftime, and it stuck with me. <laughs> Something about I'm waiting or I'm I'm waiting for you. I can't remember how it goes, but it was it's like a. Probably, long, it's probably that it's song. Probably balloons. It's probably balloons. Yeah. Like guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, that song is catchy as shit. Even like many years later, and this was like, fuck, I don't know when you played there. It was like. 2010 or nine or some shit. Oh, dude, at halftime, yeah, that was fucking years ago. Yes, yeah, I remember time. random shit. So, like, and then knowing that and how long you guys have been like grinding is pretty crazy. So, like, yeah, man, it's it's been a fucking wow. So, basically, and you are mm-hmm. and you guys are independent, correct? Yeah, we've never, you know, we've. We've never signed any sort of major deal or with any real known record labels at all. We've, you know, we've done like some boutique releases with like small labels, which essentially is just like one of our friends who owns a label, you know, and like mm-hmm. we've done that. But no, we've been independent. We've all been DIY and everything ourselves. Um, so, you know, yeah. And you have, you, you basically run the show. You book yourself. You don't have like an agent or nothing like that. Uh, no, not really. So right now we do have a friend. His name is Ryan. Um, and he is a local uh, videographer here, but also a local talent buyer. That, but he doesn't really do metal. He really did metal. He's always like rock, like Eve Six, the Cody's kind of thing. That's that's his thing. He knows how to book those bands. And we have been booking ourselves for a while. We still do book a good portion ourselves without Ryan, but not myself and Ryan sort of work in tandem. And he definitely gets his shows here and there. But for the most part, yeah, man, it's still, there's no big agency behind us. Nobody's, you know, no big name at all book us or anything. You enjoy doing that? Because I hate being band dad. I hate it. But like, wow, that's, I don't know how you, how you don't pull your hair out. But <laughs> I, I, so yeah, so I do pull my hair out. That's why right. I'm bald. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, no, um, I, it's for me, it's a very complicated like relationship with it because on one side, I don't enjoy it. I would much rather be focused on being, you know, an artist, quote unquote, and making songs and writing music and do other things within the craft. But I also enjoy it because I really do feel that a lot of bands don't really understand the business aspect of it. And unfortunately, this thing, you know, called the music industry is 90 percent 
business and 10% music. Right. And a lot of bands don't really understand how this works. A lot of bands still work under this pretense. Of like, if I just go play shows, people are going to show up. And it's like, eh. Now it works. And, you know, a lot of bands don't understand how to create content. A lot of bands don't understand how to create a marketing strategy. A lot of bands think about ad, you know, ad servicing and stuff. And, and this is all stuff that's really important because, you know, I, I think we've transitioned into a time of you're uh, realizing that your band isn't some hobby. Maybe it is for some people, but if you're taking it seriously, it's not just some hobby. You're like an actual brand. It, it's the same thing if you're starting this, you try and start Nike off the ground. There's a lot of work that you have to do and you have to be able to do it either by yourself, self-funded in the cheapest ways that you can, but make it as impactful as possible. So I enjoy it because of that, because I've learned a lot on how to conduct business and how to become a professional and how to send an email and how to get responses and, and being able to make connections with people inside the industry that would have never talked to me otherwise. So yeah, it's, it's a love hate relationship. I don't, I don't very much enjoy sending 70 emails to like get one show for seven weeks. Like it's fucking terrible. Right. But at the same time, I've learned a lot about the industry and the business. Hmm. And so you you solely do it. Does any of your band members like like to do that, or they would just rather have you do it? Just wondering. No, no, fuck no, no. Those guys, I love my guys. I love them to death. They really do, and I'm not talking any sort of shit about sure. them whatsoever. But those dudes are just not the kind of dudes that want to deal with any of it. Like those guys. And that's, I think that's why the band dynamic works really well too, because the guys get a say, like, I, I don't just like bullshit. I'm like, we're just doing this and that's it. Like, I'll come to the guys and be like, Hey, like, I think, you know, we'll, we'll have an agreement as to like, once the band started getting bigger as hearts, like we, we, we all came to the table and said, okay, if we're going to book shows. We need to get this amount of money. If we're not getting this amount of money, we're not doing it. Period. Flat out. Yeah. We're like, okay, cool. No problem. Um, and we stuck to that, you know, and the guys trust my judgment. I've been doing it for so long and trust the dude who manages us now and trust the guy who helps book us, Ryan, that those guys are pretty much like, sure, whatever. If you guys think it's going to work, let's just do that. They're not really interested in any aspect of the business of it at all, unless it like directly impacts them. Other than that, it's like, you do that, please kind of thing. And, and that's okay. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I hate, I fucking hate doing it. Like, I'd rather just write music, but like, I mean, sometimes they do shit, you know, but I don't think they really want to either. They just kind of put me on it. And it's like, I just want to write fucking music. I don't want to email people <laughs> back and forth or like try to get five guys schedules lined up with a date. And it's like, I understand like you don't want too many hands in the pot. That makes sense to me. But like, after a while, you're like, motherfuckers why don't you do this if you want a little glory you know <laughs> like yeah no dude I, yeah I i'm talking shit about my band you know, on here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i i uh i agree with you man it is it's a lot of work but but like you said it's like that's the uh, that's sort of like the opinion that a lot of dudes in bands have because you you start to realize real quick like that it's a lot of work and it's funny because you know you'll go to your like you know, go to some family gathering or something and be like, oh, you know, oh, he's in a band. I'm like, oh, that's cute. You know, so what's your little <laughs> band doing? And it's like, 
no, you don't understand. <laughs> like, it's not some fucking hobby that we just like sit around and like jerk each other off. Like, that's not the point here, you know? So you, you totally get it. And, and I empathize with you. And I really do. It's, it's hard and it's a lot of work, but that's why I like to do it too, because you're in control of your own destiny, man. Like I, I can't, I'm not going to, I can't sit here and be like, well, we didn't do this because this fucking label, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, like we want something. We're going to go and get it depending on anybody. And if we're depending on anybody, we're, we're fucking up. You know, we need to be able to really make it happen and being able to have learned the things that I've learned as being sort of quote unquote, like band dad or yeah. band leader or whatever. I feel have really been invaluable and really do transfer over into other aspects of my life and my career and everything else. So, I mean, you're basically the face of the band. I'm pretty sure. I mean, <laughs> like, Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, had one of your, I had one of your old shirts on and a guy at like the token lounge is like, Oh, Alfonso, tell him I said, hi. I'm like, Oh, I just saw them. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like it was just random, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, I'm definitely in the face of the band for sure, and yeah. and that's another thing too. Those guys don't really like; they're not really big like like social media people at all. They're not really. Isn't that hard? It is hard much. because that would help a lot if like they just post some dumb shit, like pretending to band. So I know we have a couple. When, of my members are the same way. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like when we tell them, like, "Hey, you guys need to post about this." We're like, "Just here is literally what you have to post. Just post it." And they'll right. do it for sure. But like on their own, just being like, hey, like check out. No, they don't do that shit. Like they, they stay far away from the internet. <laughs> I mean, I guess they know their place versus trying to like pretend they can do it and then like fuck it up for you. Like, no, exactly. they're doing it. So that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm, yeah. So it um, works out. So <laughs> I'm going to get to the really dark thing. So during the beast era, when all that lockdown and shit happened, so what did you guys do during it? How did you keep saying band wise? You know, Dudes, um, you know, it, it's funny because during that time, a lot of bands just really didn't do anything or they, they didn't really have a presence. Like they sort of just like, just kind of just sat on their laurels. We did not, we devised a plan. So when when that hit, we were supposed to be playing a show here in Lansing. It literally happened the day of the show we were supposed to play in Lansing. And we had like we had rented this crazy light system. Like we did all this crazy shit to play the show in our hometown at the venue that I was booking mm. called the Loft. And then everything gets shut down. And we were like, fuck this. And we like went right to our practice space, invited like 40 or 50 people. And we just did a show and we like literally live streamed it from our Facebook live using like some shitty, like, like 720p, like HD oh, camera nice. or some shit. It was just terrible. It was, it was super right. terrible, but we did it. Yeah. And we're like, this seems like people would be interested in it. Mm. And lucky for us, our manager and the guy who started to book for us, Ryan, they have a production company that they have a lot of video equipment and audio equipment. They were like, why don't we do like a live stream show? We said, okay, let's try that. 
and we started like recording like our actual sets with our in-ear monitor and everything we had we ended up we worked a fuckload bought an in-ear monitor rig like we just worked every day during that entire time because literally you could do nothing so we just worked and saved up a bunch of money mm. we bought an in-ear rig like two or three months into the whole like thing and then we decided okay well we can't play shows but we're going to release our vinyl so let's do a live stream vinyl show and we printed our vinyl we invited like 25 people very low key into this like our buddy's garage on his property and like we did a live stream show and we recorded it and live streamed it we made our own website we had somebody build a website from scratch for us we made our own like hosting site and everything and just put that on there and then from there when we did that and that did pretty well and people really wanted to see that we then said okay well what else can we do and then again our manager and ryan who books us have their business in this uh building in jackson michigan and that building was shut down because nobody was in there so like we can use this entire room to do like three songs and we recorded, we pre-recorded three songs, us playing it live, mixed all the like audio to make sure that it didn't sound like terrible. And then we released those songs. And then after that, uh, we ended up, we shot like three music videos that we released or four. And then we went, we were in the studio from, from when it started until now we we recorded 24 songs damn and yeah so we stayed busy the entire time we never stopped we like we like i said we shot four videos we did like three live streams during that year we ended up recording 24 songs during this whole time so yeah we stayed super busy that's how we stayed sane and we had band practice once every week you know damn so do you think that help catapult you when like things got better um i'd like to think that it contributed to keeping us in people's minds we mm -hmm. don't have the luxury of um just sitting on our laurels like big bands do we we can't do nothing and then come and play a tour like nothing more and people show up like that's just not going to work for us we're we're an underground band we're a diy band we've been very fortunate we've been very lucky and blessed that people have found out about the band but it's only been because we continue to push push into people's faces and i think that because we stayed so busy when everybody wasn't doing anything that gave us visibility because no bands were doing anything so all the big bands that people wanted to see weren't doing shit they were like how do we make money doing this when well, we can't so everything sucks and we were like, we make no money anyway. Let's figure this out. Right. You know? So I think because of those bands not doing anything, the window of opportunity opened to become more visible. And we were doing all of these things. And I think that definitely kept us in people's vision, like in people's peripherals and vision. And, and we're like, oh, they're like still doing shit. Okay, cool. There's another Heart Sick song being released. There's another Heart Sick music video being cool. Sick, sick. So yeah, I mean, that's what we did. We just kept working and we just found ways to continue to be a band while it felt like 
you couldn't be a band because you couldn't do what bands do and play live <laughs> you know yeah that's that's cool that the rest of the band was on board with that instead of saying well no i don't know we shouldn't be doing anything we might get sick and die you know like no it was a no. weird it was a weird time i know but like it's crazy that all of you were on board to like push on yeah through. absolutely all of us were like i mean most of us all worked jobs that were like quote-unquote essential so mm -hmm. you know we were all still working um isolated we weren't nobody was like going out all the bars were closed and stuff so it wasn't like we were going anywhere we knew we weren't gonna get sick um because we literally weren't going anywhere yeah. so for us it was like yeah sure let's let's jam whatever um i think none of us caught covid at practice but we all caught covid the beast. like on our own oh sorry my bad <laughs> sorry, i'm sorry. so sorry sorry um we all like yeah we ended up getting sick but not from meeting each other we end i ended up getting sick because my wife was uh was pregnant and so her water broke and our son was premature so i ended up you know feeling like crap because i went to the hospital with my wife and she had to be admitted for three weeks for bed rest yeah so i caught it whatever there but then i was fine mm. and then our bass player ended up catching it because he like his son caught it i think from like some friend or some nonsense and then mm. you know we all ended up catching it but it wasn't we never like were in the same room when we all had it so like we weren't ever afraid and all of us are pretty healthy you know for the most part healthy people so we weren't very like we weren't very concerned at all you know mm. we weren't like my family my parents at that time didn't live in michigan you know Waylon, our bass players parents and family are all from canada so they weren't there so the older people in our families weren't anywhere near us same with jake our drummer same with jared so it was like for us it was like yeah let's just jam you know mm. no there's yeah our uh our band didn't do anything. I, I mean, I I stayed home writing music basically. So like, yeah, there was a lot of bands that just did that. They just kind of hung out at home and just wrote music or did not jack shit. And it's like trying to climb the ladder again of being productive. And like, yeah, it was not a fun time. So isn't the loft close? You said the loft. Isn't that then that place closed because of like the whole yeah business? Yeah, yeah. So what ended up happening in Lansing? Like the loft didn't close because of what came to pass mm. in that time period. The loft was always at risk. And it was because when you own a venue like that in a B market that we were mm. trying to compete with Grand Rapids and Detroit and Flint yeah. was really hard. So the venue was always struggling, but it always came back right it always magically had a show that they really want i was like oh great we can be able to do this mm. what ended up what ended up killing them off was a perfect storm you have this sudden stop of the world no shows happening yeah. right before that happened we did well and the loft did well for mm. some shows and they spent, they literally spent a million dollars on the sound system. They took all the money they had and they dumped it into the sound system into remodeling upstairs and downstairs 
for like green rooms and stuff to yeah. make the venue more attractive. Yeah. So they they quite literally spend all this money three months later, boom, shut down. And they're like, oh crap, this is not good. Now, the person that owned the building is a very big property owner here in Lansing. Mm. He, at first, was like, everything's cool, everything's fine, whatever. We're just going to get through this whole thing. And management for the loft was like, okay, great, cool. Let's continue with the build. So they were kind of like just doing that, you know, on the low. Mm. And then they finally said, okay, people can start coming back little, this can happen and this can happen at this capacity, blah, blah, blah. So they tried to open the loft again, but everyone called it and everyone was like, this is stupid. Like, why would you have a show where you only allow 50 people? You can't make any money doing that. That's ridiculous. So they shut it down again because it was like, this is dumb. Now the owner of the actual building I don't know what the guy decided or what bug he had up his ass, but he went from like being like super chill to like being like, I want my money now. And if you don't have my money now, I'm taking the building back. And the two managers that sort of like were like running the loft just got really sick of it. And they didn't want to deal with the guy's shit anymore. And they had like a marketing firm that was like a, two, $3 million business. And they were like, you know what, dude, we don't need this headache. We were doing this because we really wanted to do it and because we enjoyed doing it. But that guy made it so unbearable for them and always was threatening them that they were just like, we're done. We're done. And that's, that's why the loft closed. It wasn't because of everything shutting down. It that yeah. really didn't kill it. Same thing with Max Bar. We had, uh, we have a venue here called Max Bar. Again, everything gets shut down. Max just doesn't do anything. Uh, then the aren't they back? Aren't they back? Somebody posted. They are. Okay. Yes, they're I thought back. I saw a show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that the guy that owns that is, uh, he's that's another like crazy story. That guy is a weirdo, and he was <laughs> like, "Oh well, we're gonna make it like a sports bar now." Blah blah blah. So like, everyone was like, "Oh, I guess Max Far is not doing anything," but now it's back, and like he like they're booking bands. It's ridiculous. They you just can still have battle. sports at a metal show. It's cool. Yeah, like, right. I don't know yeah, why yeah. you gotta be, you know? Exactly. I, I heard a, a been an incident that happened recently at like a venue and. I guess your camera guy got the shit beat out of him or something. Not us. So yeah. So um, oh god, this is so like yeah. uh, man, this this whole thing, like, and it was funny because like there's one particular person in a band that just like kept pushing, like, why isn't Heartsick talking about this? And we're like, dude, like shut up. Like, this is why would we involve ourselves in this? Like okay. he wasn't sense. our camera guy. He right. was he was like a self-proclaimed like like media guy he has his own little media company he goes to shows he interviews bands he reviews shows totally cool super nice guy we were on stage something happened i saw an altercation start to go down between the security guard and this guy but i didn't know what happened and i was in the middle of a song we were like in the middle of a song and there's like 400 people there and everyone's vibing out. Like I did, I had the thought of like, ah, I should stop. But I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I, I don't know what the context of this is. And I don't want to be wrong. Right. Amongst all the crazy. Riot. Yeah. 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 Like, so we just kept playing 
after the show was done, you found out what happened. And for sure, like that guy definitely like we after the show hung out with him, talked to him. We went to the manager of the venue. We went to the, the like general manager of the venue. Like we were like, you guys have to fix this. This is really fucked up. All this mm -hmm. other stuff. We told him you need to call the cops. He called the cops because we advised him to call the cops. You know, like we did everything in our power that very night after the show to help him out. That yeah. was the whole thing. He then turned it into whatever he turned it into. And people were like, kind of like poking and prodding us for like some sort of like statement or some bullshit. But we're like, no, like we did what we needed to do. He knows what we did. Right. And we don't have to like cater to you because you think that like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just not down with the whole like, you know, pile on to something. It's like, dude, we did what we needed to do. Let that guy handle his business now, sort mm -hmm. of thing. But that's really all that happened. I think. Gotcha. He, yeah, he definitely did get the short end of the stick, and we're definitely 100% support and side, side with him. But I feel like it was blown more out of proportion than what it needed to be mm. based on what it was, because that was the only thing that happened at that show. <laughs> right you know like, so but. so basically are you ever going to play that place again because of what happened or you're just like <laughs> so we wanted to but now what ended up happening was it made it all the way to like the local news <laughs> whoa it made it a, yeah it made it like the like six o'clock seven o'clock news or whatever the fuck i don't watch the news but mm. like and a reporter actually reached out to me and i made like you know i gave him whatever information and but we decided that we weren't going to do shows there anymore for two reasons. One, there's actually a venue finally opening up in Lansing called Gray Wall Hall, mm. Room 24. And that's like an actual music venue specifically for shows. And it's super sick. One of our friends is opening it and running it. And it's, it's amazing. It looks dope. So nice. we want to play there because it's an actual music venue. The Junction is more of a live music dance hall wedding or yeah. restaurant kind of gotcha. thing right okay um so that's reason number one it just works out better to be at a music venue for what we're trying to do and mm -hmm. how we've grown but two when they did the whole news story <laughs> the manager of the bar decided that he was gonna do his interview and like it's one of those things where you're like all you have to do man like all you have to do is say, I'm sorry it happened. We're reviewing our policies. It's unfortunate that it came to this, but right. we're doing the best that we can and adjusting to being a new venue. And all you need to say, all you need to say. This man decides that he's going to be like, well, it was kind of his fault. And, you know, we did take some actions and, you know, we don't really feel bad about this. And it's just like, oh my God, dude, like... <laughs> Why, like, why, why are you people like this? He was just taking pictures. The guy was just taking pictures, right? And that's all he did. Yeah, that's all he did. He didn't do anything <laughs> wrong, man. Like, wow. the guy, like, 100%, we 100% support him. Like, I stand behind that dude for sure. He did nothing wrong. Right. But yeah, but once the manager got on there and was like just blowing like air out of his mouth, we're like, oh my God, bro. Now we can't because now it looks like. If we go play there again, it's like, oh, those guys care about their fans. They're going to let some guy, you know, and it's like, oh, my God. So, like, 
he's ruined it, not us. Like right, we were sense. fine yeah. with doing it, but like after he opened his mouth like that, forget about it. Like now we can't, you know, now we have to be like, we weren't trying to choose sides. We were just kind of like, figure it out on your own. We were just playing. But like now it's like, well, we can't play there now. We have to be on this dude's side. So thanks a lot, buddy. Yeah, that 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 does suck because sometimes even the little opportunities might turn out good, but then somebody has to go and fuck them up. So yeah, I can exactly. see where yeah. Another door closed, but hopefully more open. Because again, it's a shame that how many venues had closed during the period of this. And but you know, as somebody once said, it, they, it was going kind of downhill in a lot of places before the beast happened. So yeah, I'm like, just hoping, you know, like to me, yeah, to me, I just as I said on this podcast, like I hope people are more great, gracious, and grateful what they had, and to be a little more, you know, accepting. They'll, damn, exactly. we lost that. We lost that for few years man we can't let it happen again so i guess yeah we'll like yeah. i think i think during that whole period for as unfortunate as it was to what happened to a lot of businesses within the music industry or whatever mm -hmm. i think like in some weird ways it was a good sort of like reset button because in lansing for example we had max bar we had the loft we had mm -hmm the avenue we had those three venues and we lost all three but the problem was is that all the local bands were playing every day every week every time all the time at all these venues and we're like oh my god like you're oh. oversaturating everything yeah. there's always a show there's always a show there's always something happening you know and i think that like that started to kill scenes in a lot of places and i think that for as unfortunate as that time period was um it was a way to hit the reset button on everything and be like, well, survival of the fittest. Let's yes. see what happens. <laughs> right. And then a lot of bands started to realize, oh, wow, hold on. Like, maybe I shouldn't be playing my local venue every month, three months in a row, and then a venue 30 minutes up the road every other month. Like, I think it really made people think, but I also, like you said, I think it also made people be like, holy crap, we, we could actually lose live music, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, so. we, don't, we don't really have much here. That's where I live, but like in South, South Bend area. I mean, there's a few things and then maybe they're trying to start things, but it's like, I'm like, it'd be nice to have a little more push in our own town for us, but it's like, I don't think this place likes metal and whatever. You can't really argue and fight with that. So we try to go out of our way when it's time. But again, like we all have jobs and that gets in the way. I mean, obviously you guys have jobs, so somehow you make it work though. You know, that's... Well, I think for me, man, like, you know, when, when people do say like, well, we have a job, like I think it's all relative to what we're all comfortable with and what we're seeking right. to do with what we're doing. Right. For us, We've been doing this for a really long time. Um, we're really passionate about it, but we've always wanted to do more with it. I th and I think that's why we pursue the way that we pursue. And we've, we've been able to make it work because we all have jobs. Three of us have kids, yeah. you know, two of us are married, you know, like, so sure it gets complicated, but I think at the end of the day, like this is something we all really wanted to do. We want it to be like a career that can, also give us money to put aside for our families as to where maybe you guys and, and your band and other bands out there 
you know, for for you, it's it's going and playing some shows here and there, and that's really fun. But you have other things in your life that are more important to you that you feel are more rewarding, and that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with that. I think mm. that we were all when you talk about dark things about the music industry and all this other stuff too. I think that there's a lot of conditioning in music in general by really terrible people who again are trying to make money off of this so they're selling you this idea that you're in competition with other people they're selling you this idea that if you don't accomplish these things then you're not successful you're just some local schmokel shitty local band if you're not doing this and this then you know who are you you've never sold any records and none of that is that's all bullshit none of that is true yeah. and like selling you like well if you don't have a thousand people out your show then you're not doing anything it's like that's never what it was about it just turned into it because we live in america it's the place of opportunism and somebody was an opportunist and was like i can make money off of that guy named elvis i can make money off of those guys named the beatles right. and like just kept ex expanding on it right but the reality is it's like there's no difference between any of us it's just how much do we want to pursue something and and i think that there's this dark idea that if you're not at x level then you're less than and that is not true at all and if you're not doing this then you can't compete with so and so but this isn't a competition your art should never have in the first been first place been put to compete with anybody is it's just your art it just comes from you you know every day that you wake up you're not competing with anybody you're not like getting up at home in your neighborhood somebody else is in their house going how fast can i get to it before I'm like nobody's doing that man nobody's in competition with anybody we just have this stupid shit in our heads and the music industry preys on that preys mm. on that shit is Especially with the younger kids, man. Jesus Christ. Like, it's just like, they just sell this fantasy of like the 80s of where like, oh, you know, huh. backstage and like rupees and like partying all the time. Yeah. It's like, you, you come to like you or me, we're like, what are you guys doing at a show? We're like, oh, yeah, we're just on the phone. We kind of talked about the, the 80s in the beginning <laughs> of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, that shit isn't real anymore. It doesn't exist. Nope. It can't nope. exist. There's no guy. There's no guy in the crowd with a fucking like million dollar contract just waiting to get yeah, backstage. Like, what the fuck? But is, isn't it crazy? How so many bands still think that's what it's like. Oh, like, God. you know, five bands right now that think that there's going to be some guy at the show. It's like you guys are amazing. Ah, this contract for you. Like that shit doesn't happen. Like no. it. Labels don't even sign bands anymore unless they have X amount of thousands of plays because they don't even want it. They're so broke. They don't want to put money on you. But somehow, some way, bands still sign deals that totally fuck them rather than like being DIY. Like imagine how much money a band can make if they didn't fucking feed the machine. They didn't feed the wheel. But at the same time, imagine how much money they lose because they don't have the capacity to promote themselves the way that these entities have built themselves up to be, yeah. but they've done such a good job of like, of like, like you said, like of like warping people's minds, like it could still the eighties. And it's like, people just, it's like, 
it's still funny to me how like certain promoters would be like, Oh, you know, the show's gonna be great, man. And like you don't see like a single like flyer anywhere or nothing. You're like, people don't just show up to the shows anymore to do coke. Right. Like it's too expensive in the bathroom. Me. Yeah, in the bathroom <laughs> with like a bunch of like like half dressed females. Like that's not it this is not the eighties, guys. Right. And just like the venues that like, well, you know, we you know, we don't really close until two, so we need bands to be playing till like one in the morning. So, you know, we're gonna start the show at nine. And there's like five bands, you're like, What the fuck are you doing? Why I love are you that. Doing I love this? that. Oh, that's my God, favorite. Bro. Oh my you want to feel old? Those shows will make you feel fucking old. <laughs> oh my god! We're gonna like, dude. have to wrap this up here soon. Oh yeah, I forgot how much time it was. Shit. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like a super chatty cat. No, I can go on and on. That's about good. This shit. Most of the episodes just go on for about over two hours, but I'm on a night shift, so I've actually got to get to going to work soon. Loser. Oh no worries, no worries. Loser. <laughs> but, uh, basically, what we do to wrap things up is we ask the guests to send us a song and then when i put everything together i'll play the song at the end of the episode so there's is there a song that you would want us to feature on here if there is you can talk a little bit about it yeah yeah so um right now the newest song that we have out is a song called derecho it's spanish for rights um and essentially the song is just about the idea of being stuck in a coma being stuck in purgatory you know having no hell just kind of being in this place and you can hear everybody around you and saying things but you're just stuck in your own self and your thoughts um so we're, we're pushing that song right now uh, we have a new ep coming out so that'll come out soon but i would say choose that song for sure and then we have a bunch of other stuff coming up but too much to talk about <laughs> right on i have a one more question real quick um sure when you play out live, what is in your cup? Is it like Hulk juice? Because you're always drinking something in like one of those like protein shake glasses. And I always wanted to ask you what's in there. <laughs> it's so it's just water. Like that's really all it is. Like well, it's I just water. Uh, I thought I was like, man, he's must yeah. be on some creatine climbing up the fucking bed. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I, I, I just drink water. I'm actually, I don't really drink soda. Um, I don't drink anything other than water. Really, sometimes I'll have like. A, like a coke or something but no i just drink water i don't even drink juice most of the time but i do have my protein shakes in the morning like after my workouts but that's about yeah. it well remember kids drink plenty of water as alfonso says <laughs> there you anyway, go anyway yeah where can they uh check your band out at where can they find all your music easiest way to do it is just go to our website heartsick.us and that literally has every single social media and then some from our, our website, just heartsick.us. Awesome. Well, Alfonso, definitely appreciate you coming out and talking with us tonight. It's been real. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you for Hell thinking yeah. that we're, we're interesting enough to talk about. <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> All right, guys. Anyone out there listening, if you want to be on Dark Side of the Scene, send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we'll get you scheduled. But again... Thanks, everyone. Good night. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye.